Welcome back, Welcome back to Burnt Denim. Episode two is here. If you don't already yep. know, Burnt Denim is the podcast where we spread knowledge, instill passion, and generate, generate conversation. conversation. Hopefully, hopefully you listened to the first episode where we got to talk about ourselves, but... At Nick, least a teaser trailer. At least at a least teaser. Something, a little something. But this episode is pretty exciting. Yep. Episode two, the best episode yet. We're only getting best better. We're, each last, episode we're I thought better. the last episode was good. This I next one is even better. Yeah. I think it's I think it's better because we're not going to be talking about ourselves the whole time. We're actually going to learn something new. Uh, you're going to learn about a brand that many people already know about. I'm sure you know about. Yep. But we're going to go into the depths, yeah. into the trenches. Yeah, have a great th- conversation. Th- this last episode was definitely more of a foundational episode to build off. So now that we have the groundwork laid, we're ready. I'm ready. Only going up from here. Only going building up. That, building that house. Building that house. So episode two, very special. Yeah, like you're saying, it's something a lot of people, I think, see and hear about. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, unless you already are into the subculture, you don't really know a lot about it. Right. Um, so it's going to be good. Definitely be good. definitely good information for anyone, no matter where you are in your fashion journey. You're, you're going to learn something new from this episode. But before we hop in, yep. now Nick was getting, you know, we're Ahead excited. I'm excited. But we want... To start off with our little mini segment, we like to call Explain That Fit, yep. where we go through what we're wearing today. Uh, and speaking of, hopefully we're recording right now. Again, we're trying. Our camera failed on us last time. So be looking out for the YouTube. We don't want to make any promises, but we will let you know on we're Instagram. Trying. We are trying. I'm trying, Jennifer. We want, we want to get some video up for you guys. But first, yes, Nick. Explain That want? Fit, starting from the top going down. The top, I have a vintage Chicago Bulls t-shirt. Um, okay. Going down, I have vintage Levi's on. They're mm. either brown the man. or gold. I still can't tell if it's brown or he gold. Know, he knows there's, vintage way more than something. I, so I, I don't there's know. There's a name. It tells... Yeah. yeah. That's, that's <laughs> another podcast. Shoes, I have the J- Jordan Ch- Chicago, I think is colorway. But the Jordan 2. Yeah, I think it Chicago, is Chicago. Chicago colorway. Yeah. It's not like the Jordan, Jordan 1 lows. Chicago, but... Yeah. He's showing love to one of the Jordans that doesn't receive love goats. a lot of the time. You know, yeah. the twos. So, uh, you want to go ahead and explain your fit? What yes. you wearing? So, for my fit, starting at the top, shout out to Sierra, my wonderful girlfriend. Harley Davidson hat. Oh, no, it's, I'm pretty sure it's a vintage one because it seemed pretty old when she gave it to me. Next, <laughs> I got I got the Harley Davidson tee that is from Torn and Worn Vintage. Shout out. Plug. Nick, shout out Ryan Andrea. Instagram. And then I have on minimal olive cargos. Minimal, you know, showing love to minimal. And then on feet, I have the off-white All Hallows Eve blazers, which are one of my one of my faves. They just look the great. The flex that no one the, can see right now. Nobody can see it, but look it up because it's a look great it shoe. If you know, you know. So that's it for Explain the Fit. Nick, do you kind of want to yes. intro what we're going to be yes. talking about today? Yes, jumping in. I'm very excited. Like I said, episode two, but... What? Really, episode two in parentheses three. three 23. Episode 23, because we're going to be going over Air Jordan, Come Michael on. Jordan, his airness, the GOAT. The GOAT. Known by many, loved by few. <laughs> <laughs> but getting started, some of, the, some of the accolades that you may have known about Michael Jordan is that he was a six-time finals MVP, six-time mm. NBA champion, Ten, he holds 10 scoring titles, Five-time MVP, 14-time NBA All-Star, and so much more. He is... He's a GOAT. He's, he's a GOAT. He's a GOAT. I mean, I don't know how you could He's your that. favorite player's favorite player. Let's that, just say Come that. on. 
That's good. Come on, that's a lot good. of people don't that say that good. in the argument. I like but that. But he set again set the foundation for so many things moving mm-hmm. forward, especially in fashion, and especially yes. for one of your favorite brands. But we'll get into that in the future. Yes. Um, so Michael Jordan's early career, a lot of people don't know, but he was born 1963, actually in Brooklyn, mm. but raised in North Carolina. He was a three-sport athlete mean? playing football, basketball, baseball. Uh, one of the interesting things that a lot of people don't know was that his sophomore year, he tried out for his high school varsity basketball team, right. but ended up not making the cut because he was too short. He's not good. What's crazy enough, though, he's not good, is that over the summer, he actually grew four inches, worked out hard, came back and obviously made the team and went on to be one of the best NBA players ever. Come on. Um, but that that next year and the year after, his junior and senior year, he had standout years, especially when he played in the McDonald's All-American game, mm. scored 30 points. He eventually ended up going and signing... Um, scholarship with the University of North Carolina you where he see, ended baby? up making the game winning shot yes. in the finals look at his rookie his freshman year against future NBA legend and future rival Patrick Ewing mm. so Jordan ended up going back Georgetown. to UNC after his uh, freshman year there for two more years before he get drafted before he got drafted to the NBA where his relationship with this brand really began yes yes so many of you know Jordan by Nike, one of the most recognizable footwear brands, clothing brands mm-hmm. in the world. And today, as Nick was mentioning, uh, we're going to focus on the footwear aspect and of just Jordan's influence in, in streetwear and in, in sneaker culture today. Because without Jordan, I don't see a sneaker culture like there is today. Yep, for sure. You know, he is the foundational person. So as he said, went to UNC and his coach there, Dean Smith, wanted the players to sign with Converse because he would get this bonus, yeah. which was kind of a, a big thing. He wanted people to sign with Converse. And so when he got drafted by the Bulls, one of the first things that his agent that he had wanted him to do was get a shoe deal. Mm-hmm. And so he had originally wanted to sign with Adidas, believe it or not. If you've seen The Last Dance, they kind of go over this. So watch The Last Dance. But he originally wanted to sign with Adidas. But during this period, they were in a restructuring phase and they just couldn't take on an athlete like that. Converse was the big shoe of the time for NBA players with people like Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, Dr. J, mm-hmm. um, Kevin McHale, these huge players. Converse had these players with their basketball shoes. And so Michael didn't want to go there because he didn't feel like he would stand out. Right. So he got an offer from Nike. Originally did not want to go with Nike. At the time, believe it or not, at the time, Nike was a smaller brand Just random known brand. for running track shoes, right? Yeah, crazy. I heard it was actually more of entrepreneurial than like um, right. like a genuine well, established a, brand right. that was still getting its feet. But yeah, right, yeah. so it's it's you know it's hard to believe that Nike, one of the biggest conglomerates in the world, mm-hmm. was the smaller company. But at the time in 1984, uh, it was not a very big you know company, and so he didn't mm-hmm. want to go. His parents forced him to go, and when he was there, Nike offered him five hundred thousand dollar five year deal. Yeah, and just to understand this, other players like Magic Johnson. Larry Bird, we're only getting 100000 a year. So he was getting this huge offer. And he was getting this as a rookie. And so he got this offer, but he still didn't accept. Imagine that. He yeah. still didn't accept. He went home and he thought about it. And then he took it to Adidas again and said, here is what Nike is offering me. If you can offer me anything close, I will sign with you because that's where my heart's at. I love Adidas. Yeah. They said, no, we can't. We're in this restructuring phase. So he eventually signed with Nike. And one of the caveats which was kind of cool with his um, deal was he had to either win rookie of the year 
average above 25 points per game or become an all-star. If those three things, one of those three things didn't happen, they would drop him. He did all three his first year. Yeah. His rookie. So he did all those. And um, so, yeah, so that's where his relationship with Nike began, not even out of a want to be with Nike, but out of this kind of stumbling onto it and having his parents force him to sign with them. And um, and so, yeah, obviously now Jordan is by Nike brand, one of the most profitable uh, yeah. aspects of Nike. And so as we continue, we kind of want to break down um, specific shoes that had very strong influence uh, in sneaker culture and kind of set the foundations for what Jordan brand is today. But we kind of just wanted to give you that little backstory. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there's dozens of shoes in the Jordan brand catalog and we don't have time to go through each and every one. So we wanted to pick a few ones that we thought were the most significant, the most popular and influential breaking and kind of break those down because I think those sort stories are important. Yeah. Uh, especially the Jordan one. Ooh, I, in my on. opinion, the, the story of the Jordan one is a story of Jordan. It's it a is. story of I agree. sneaker culture. I agree. Um, so we really wanted to take some time and kind of break this one down longer yeah. than any other ones. Let's do it. Um, so the Jordan one, designed by Peter Moore, debuted by Michael Jordan in 1984, officially released to the public in 1985 in a series of colorways, mm-hmm. some including there were the... There were a lot of colorways. Yeah, there was the bread, Chicago, Royal, UNC, Metallic Pack. Um, Metallic Pack. So, so many more. Yeah. Um, but knowing that Jordan, or knowing that uh, Nike was going all out and giving Jordan his own shoe, they wanted to make it a, a very specific point that the shoe would fit Jordan's personality, yeah. not the other way around. Mm. It had to kind of reflect who he was and his skills as a player. Right. So one of the things, if you you know about Michael Jordan, anything at all, or if you've seen any pictures at all, you see pictures of him dunking yeah. or jumping or Air Jordan, like Man, the whole concept hops. of that at all like jumping and dunking is just a, a huge part of his aspect and his style of play so yeah. they wanted to kind of incorporate that into the jordan one and tell his story so one of the uh designers was actually on an airplane when he saw the stewardess give a, a pair of like wings oh yeah, yeah. um to a, a kid and decided to sometimes yeah I think I, I saw actually, I don't know. I was just saying that. <laughs> but, um, they, he, he decided to model the Air Jordan Wings logo mm. after that pair of wings that the child got in order to reflect the theme of flight. Along with that, they decided to include actual air inside yeah. of the shoe. Yeah. Um, even even more than that, just a whole bunch of different like technology or not crazy technologies, but the the air unit, the wings logo. But one of the all, one of the biggest things that they wanted to do was kind of add something that was very unique at the time that not yeah. many other shoes did. If you've seen old videos of the NBA, uh, everyone's wearing white shoes. Yeah, and they're it, they're just white and bland. It, but it was like the common uniform standard at the time. However, the designer of the Jordan One didn't think that it reflected. Jordan hmm. or the style of play that was kind of popular at the time. Right. He thought it was very he, he thought that the style of play was very flashy and like against what was yeah, against yeah, the yeah. green. Um and colorful in a yep. way. So he really wanted to make it a point to make the Jordan one colorful. Mm-hmm. So he decided to add on just a whole bunch of black, a whole bunch of red, which we now know as the bread color bread. colorway because you got to have the bread black to buy and it. red black and red you got to have bread to bread. buy it. it's too expensive some of you guys <laughs> are just learning black and red is bread right yeah, now it is not actual um not actual bread 
dough flour. <laughs> Not dough. Um, but this one decision actually happened to set off a chain reaction that mm-hmm. just set off Jordan yeah. um, crazy. The then NBA commissioner, David Stern, decided right. to ban the shoe from being worn on court mm. because he made the argument that the shoe didn't match the team uniform and didn't reflect that team aspect around the NBA. Now there is speculation that the Jordan one actually isn't the shoe that wasn't banned. Right. Uh, it was the Nike airship. If you look in old pictures uh, or videos of Michael Jordan playing, you'll see him wearing an airship versus the it's Air a, Jordan one. It's kind one. of the precursor. Right. Because it, the shoe was still in development. Right. Um, so he still did, getting yeah. made factories, all that. Yeah. I was just going to say, yeah, they, they did a release around all-star weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in February of the airship and the Jordan one, and I, I forget what they called it, but it was I think it was called the New Beginnings pack or yeah. something like that. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, you look at it and it's like, wow, from far away it looks very similar. So yeah, that's interesting. Especially if it's a new shoe, no one knows what it looks like right. already. So it's it's good for setting its own. But nevertheless, if it was uh, the Jordan one or the airship, the principle was the same that they banned Michael Jordan from wearing his shoes. And it got to the point that the NBA told Michael Jordan and Nike that he would actually be fined five thousand dollars each game that That's he a wore lot. the shoes. Back in the 80s. Yeah, definitely. And Nike's response is very interesting. Rather than just giving Michael Jordan the shoes in all white, which they could have done, like, okay, sorry, Nike, we won't do it, or sorry, NBA, we won't do it again. Here, here they are, all white. Here they are, right. slight bending to the will that, that you can, you know, he'll wear them tomorrow. They decided to actually just pay the fine, the Mm, $5,000 fine, which ended up being one of the greatest marketing employees in history, I'd say. I I would too. Uh, One of the commercials after that, Nike stated, the NBA can ban the shoes, Michael Jordan from wearing the shoes on the court, but they can't stop you from getting it. That's so sick. Nike ended up developing a new colorway eventually that fit the NBA uniform rules, which we now know as the Chicago colorway. My favorite colorway. the idea of the Jordan, it, it became really a symbol of resistance, mm. I'd say, and the act of defiance really became representative of Nike and Jordan. Yeah. So paving a way for Jordan brand to not only represent Jordan as a player, but also the 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 power of an individual and the mm. power of defying odds and pushing against people telling you that yeah. you need to fit a certain idea. Yeah. So the the idea of Michael Jordan and Nike wearing that, wearing the shoes, paying the fine anyway, is just absolutely yeah. crazy. Yeah. Um, and that story eventually like led on to the shoes be called like band bread. Mm-hmm. Um, so many, but it made so many people want the Jordans because you know the story that it told. Yeah. And the the character that it reflected about Nike and Jordan that yeah. you know this is a shoe that means something for me. You know, yeah. So with that being, I know that's a lot about the Jordan One, but one of the interesting things is that they originally released for sixty five dollars. Yeah, which is a lot back then, though. Yeah, it, it was. It is a lot, but in comparison, if you think if you have a pair from nineteen eighty five now, worth thousands, thousands easily, of dollars easily. I've seen a pair before, which is um, I held a pair, crazy. I want a pair. <laughs> I, I want a pair. I was looking online; they're just they're too expensive. I. The Jordan one for me is it was the first Jordan I got. It's actually right now the only Jordan I own. Sadly, hmm. I've been looking to get a couple other pairs, but I have a couple pairs of ones. And I think what I like about the ones is is like you said, like there's a story behind it. It's not just a shoe, right? Right. right. Um, and when you dig deep enough, you can really 
enjoy goes back to the is it justified you know the question of justification like when there's a story it's so nice to you know have that shoe mm -hmm. and and i think it just goes well with so many things we'll yeah. get into that later but but uh, yeah that was yeah. a great job what Mike. one um great, great resource to find out more about the jordan one is actually the documentary band history of the jordan one i think mm -hmm. it's available on hulu right now i don't yeah. know what other streaming sources um but yeah yeah jordan one Dang, Nick most just killed it. What are the that most influential shoes ever? Ever. I would say my favorite shoe ever, just because I wear shorts with it. It looks awesome. I wear pants with it. It looks awesome. It's just, I'd never wear it to play basketball. Yeah. That would hurt. One of, one of the interesting things too is that at the time, um, a lot of people liked the cut of the shoe. Yeah. So it wasn't just uh, basketball players that wore them. It actually transferred over in this to skate culture a lot. Yeah. So you'll see a lot of old pictures of skateboarders wearing Jordan ones. Um which is cool. Yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, and so thank you, Nick. The next shoe that I would say, I would say right behind the Jordan 1, not my favorite behind the Jordan 1, but right behind it is probably the most important, and that is the Jordan 3. Yep. And that released originally in 1988 um, in the white and black cement colorways, the fire red and the true blue. White and black cement, you hear that term a lot. Mm -hmm. And those uh, the black cement's also, you know, in certain models also called the bread not yeah. in the jordan one there's not like a black cement jordan one but in the jordan three um those were the original colors that came out and what made the jordan three so pivotal is after the jordan two released nike's contract with uh jordan was almost up and he was thinking of going elsewhere the the uh, one of the men who designed the jordan one peter moore um had left nike to start his own company, Sports Inc. It was called. And um, Jordan, <laughs> was thinking of of, Jordan was thinking about signing with them because he didn't like the direction Jordan brand was going. He didn't have a lot of say in what the shoes were going to do. Mm -hmm. He he didn't like the Jordan 2 that much. And so yeah. he just, he was thinking about leaving. But a man by the name of Tinker Hatfield, the goat. one of the most notable shoe designers of all time. Mm -hmm. Look him up. He's a legend in the shoe sneaker community. Tinker Hatfield. He, he actually has a episode. If you ever seen um, abstract on Netflix, the art mm -hmm. of design. Yeah. He has a whole episode about him talking about shoe design. Yeah. So Tinker Hatfield is probably one of the most uh, notable shoe designers ever. And he uh, was a friend of Bill Bowerman, one of the men who started Nike. Mm -hmm. And he was brought in to design shoes. He was not a shoe designer by practice. He was an architect. Um, and, so he had that eye already and he won the shoe designing contest and he was brought on to work with Michael Jordan from here on out designing shoes. He designed the Jordan 3 through 15 and then he designed other ones here and there. Mm -hmm. um, but he also designed the Air Max 1, so many shoes, the Air Mag, yeah. all these crazy shoes. But he was brought in and this made Jordan rethink his signing with Nike. Once he met Tinker Hatfield and Tinker showed him the Jordan 3 and actually let Michael have a hand in the design process and what the colors mm -hmm. were going to look like, what the patterns were going to look like you know, the cement pattern. Um, Jordan loved that. And he decided to re-sign with Nike because of the shoe. Um, another important, there's so many important things about the shoe, but another yeah. important thing was it was the first Jordan with a visible air bubble. As we talked about before, it's the air Jordan. And in the Jordan ones and twos, there are, there's air in them, right. but it's, you can't see it. Right. It's just a solid sole. The Jordan 3 introduced a visible air bubble, which first debuted on the Air Max 1, also designed by Tinker Hatfield a year prior. But this was a big move for Nike, a right. big move for Jordan. Right. And one, of the, one of the interesting things about the Air Max, yeah. um, just a little, again, uh, tidbit, is that Tinker Hatfield actually got the inspiration for the visible air bubble on a trip to Paris where he saw a building that had the 
plumbing exposed on the outside. Mm. So he had the idea of exposing the air bubble yeah. to, so it was visible um, without dissecting the shield. Yeah. So that, that's another cool little yeah. thing that I think is interesting. I think that's important too because it's a selling point. People can actually see the air. You know, before you'd have to cut open the Jordan one to actually right, see if right, there's air. Right. And so that was awesome. And then another very important thing was to introduce the Jumpman logo. Mm-hmm. If you think Jordan today, at least when I do, I think of the Jumpman logo, you know, when he's yeah. dunking the ball in the air. Um, and the Jordan 3 debuted the Jumpman logo. And this was, again, in 1988. And um, the Jordans after that, almost all of them have the Jumpman uh, yeah, the majority of them do have the Jumpman because the Wings logo is kind of reserved for the ones and the mm-hmm. twos. Um, but yeah, so the Jumpman logo was created here by Tinker. And uh, in 1988, when he won the dunk contest, where he took off from the, the free throw line, yeah, the, the he's famous, wearing the Jordan 3s, the famous, yeah. you know, he took off from the free throw line. He was wearing the Jordan 3s. If you go look uh, back, they actually have a colorway It's or there's a free throw line in the sole, right? Yeah. And what, there's a mm-hmm. pair of shoes that released, I want to say a year or two ago. Um where it's on on the sole, there's the line painted on on the sole of where yeah. the free throw line would have been where he took off. Yeah. So that those are really cool too. Just again, the history behind it's just so yeah interesting. Yeah, and they they wouldn't re-release again until 1994, and re-release we call retro. When retro. Some, when they say we, they retro shoe, they re-released it right. So that was in 1994, and they actually sat on shelves. They weren't popular back then. They yeah. weren't as popular as they are today. Today, those same pairs can go for 500 to a thousand more. And so, um, but yeah, that's the Jordan Three. It introduced the air bubble. Introduced Tinker Hatfield, one of the most legendary designers, to work with Jordan right. and into Nike. And then it also, um, yeah, just paved the way for future Jordans to be created with with that air bubble you know, technology. Yeah. Honestly, in my opinion, the Jordan three is one of the most slept on Jordans. No. Yeah. I think um, it is cool looking, but one of the most popular Jordans on the opposite end is actually the Jordan four. Mm-hmm. The second shoe designed by Tinker Hatfield released February, 1989 in white and black cement, fire red, military blue, again, like other colorways. But, uh, one of the interesting things is that it was the first globally released Jordan. Wow. Um, it could be laced in 18 different ways to allow customization by the by the user. Yeah. And Jordan hit the famous the the shot the shot to beat the Cavs in the Eastern Con- Conference Finals in in the Jordan Fours. Yeah. Um, if it, Easter egg, if you're looking at the episode title picture, then it's actually the picture right after he made the shot. The shot, baby. So these shoes uh, didn't release until ten years out. Didn't retro until ten years after the original release, and it's again uh, retroed with the Jumpman logo, which right. was very controversial. A lot of people are back and forth on the Jumpman logo versus the Nike Air versus right. you know so and, many other. And that's because things. yeah, on the back, like it still had the Jumpman on the front, all of them, but yeah. on the back tab, it originally said Nike Air, and they re- uh, re-released it with just having the Jumpman on the back, and people didn't like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But one of the interesting things about people not liking it and the feedback that Nike and Jordan brand got from sneaker culture, they actually decided to um, course correct and release the, the remaster program, mm. which is a program Nike put forward to increase the quality of the shoes that they released, bring better materials and get a shape closer to the original, mm. which is, is interesting. Kind of just the power that people have, right. you know, responding to that. Yeah. Yeah. So it, again, Jordan 4, very influential, I very popular. A lot of people love these shoes. A lot of uh, people take L. I took an L on the off-white Jordan 4 that recently came out. The other day, yeah. Very sad. I really liked Big it. Big L. 
But yeah. but yeah, so that's the Jordan 4. Um, and the last Jordan we want to touch on, which I know is a lot of people's favorites, probably behind the one, I think this is, from what I've seen, a lot of people's favorite Jordan is the Jordan 11. Yep. Um, and this, the Jordan 11 was released in uh, 1995, um, and I think wider release in, in 96. But um, And it came out in the Concord colorway, the Bread, and the Columbia. And so the Jordan 11 was very... Um, is an important shoe because Michael took a break to go play baseball mm-hmm. on the White Sox. If you again, if you've seen the Last Dance, they cover this in more detail. But this was his return to or the Space NBA Jam shoe. or Space Jam, true. <laughs> which we'll talk about yeah, in a yeah. sec too. Um, but the Jordan Eleven was kind of his return to the NBA shoe. Um, and when Michael first saw the design, it has patent leather around yep. the sides. And my, Michael first said, "Wow, people are going to wear these with a tuxedo." Yeah, you know, he said these look classy. This is the first Jordan to look classy. Funny enough, what Funny happened? Funny enough, what happened? The boys to men wore them with full tuxedos to the Grammys, right? Like yeah. literally that yeah. same year. And so what he said came true. But uh, another groundbreaking shoe designed by Tinker Hatfield. And there's some cool inspirations for this shoe. Uh, if you haven't seen before, I would recommend Google it. But the Jordan 11, the body of the shoe was inspired by, you know, the kind of sports car, luxury car look yep. with the patent leather looking shiny. And then the interesting part is the sole how the sole goes up on it was actually inspired by a push lawnmower, hmm. which is very random, but it was, yeah. des- the the inspiration came from a push lawnmower. And when Tinker Hatfield saw these things, he said, wow, I could combine these. Like that's how you know there's a great designer when they yeah. see a push lawnmower and a sports car and <laughs> says, how can I make this? <laughs> I want these. Right. But it's, it is yeah. a good looking shoe. Um, and yeah, it was his return to the NBA shoe. Um, he wore it when they won the championship in 1996. And, um, one of the most important colorways of the 11s, and again, if you don't know what a colorway is, because I know we haven't hit on that so much, it's it's kind of, you know, the color blocking of the shoe. Um, right. One of the most important 11s was the Space Jam 11, which was released in 2000 um, after people had seen the movie Space Jam in 1996. Yeah. And he was wearing a, a version of them, a colorway, and people said, wow, I like that. I want that. Yeah. And it ended up coming out four years later, 2000. And so when you hear someone say, oh, the Space Jam Jordans, they're talking about the Jordan 11 space jams that he he wore wore in the movie movie. Mm -hmm. and so yeah another very groundbreaking shoe um they have highs and lows i i prefer the high yeah colorway um and yeah it's just so cool that tinker hatfield saw you know a push lawnmower as an inspiration and designed this shoe and imagine returning to the nba in this pivotal shoe yeah it's so you know important i think tinker hatfield actually said that jordan 11 is his favorite shoe design ever yeah I mean, I don't uh, doubt him. It's a it's a masterpiece of design. You know, like the Jordan 1 is cool, but it's nowhere near as intricate of a design as the 11. Um, yeah. Yeah, so that's a brief history of uh, Jordan Brand's early career and a few of his most famous shoes. Jordan Brand now, I'm sure you guys all have at least heard of, if not own some sort of Jordan. Right. Uh, Jordan Brand is doing a whole bunch of like crazy uh, one of the biggest things right now is collabs. Right. Honestly, collabs with different artists and um, athletes. Some of the most notable yeah. is uh, Travis Scott Jordans, the off-white the Jordans. Speech. We were just talking about the Union Jordans, Eminem Ooh. Jordans, Levi's, OVO, and with so so many more, so and, many more. And these collabs have reached such astronomical prices. It's right. insane. Like the Eminem Jordans going for uh, one of the pairs going for seventy-five thousand plus. You yeah. know, fragment ones going for all these. Um, and so, yeah, the, yeah. And w- Nick, quick question before we move on. What's your dream Jordan? Dream Jordan? Honestly, 
1985 Chicago, 1985 Chicago ones. ones. Yeah. That's good. That's a good answer. Yeah. I'd have to say mine is either the Union, either colorway, or I really want a pair of Shattered Backboards, which is yeah. an orange. Shattered Backboard is an orange, white, and black colorway because when Michael shattered a backboard, he was playing in Italy. He had an orange jersey on. History. But the Shattered Backboard is cool. That's in the last dance, right? It is. I'm pretty sure it is, yeah. Yeah. But Jordan Brand signed a number of crazy athletes. You guys have to have heard of them. Uh, Carmelo Anthony, Kemba Walker, Jason Tatum, Chris Paul, Jimmy Butler, Russell Westbrook, so many more, including some of their their biggest new signings, Zion Williamson and Luka Doncic. Luka Doncic will be known as the GOAT one day. So it's cool that he's (laughs) actually playing in the GOAT shoes. I don't know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So one of the interesting things about Jordan, too, that's also important to note is that it's not just big in the United States, right. but it's huge overseas. Global. Honestly, I think especially in Asia. Yeah. I think there's definitely in Asia an interest in American culture. Yes. Uh, and when you think and about America. Yeah. And when you think about American culture and sports, one of the biggest figures is Michael Jordan. Yeah. And the story of the Jordan one uh, and really just Jordan's, you know, excellence and great status and achievements as a player. Yes. You know, so it, it's interesting the success of Michael Jordan as a player and the success of Jordan brand working hand in hand mm-hmm. to kind of develop into these great brands, you know, and these great players, yeah. you know? So it's just, it's yeah. just interesting. It's really, I, yeah. And, um, like we said earlier, everybody that I, at least I know has heard of Jordan brand, right. Has owned something of Jordan brand just to see starting from Michael, not wanting to sign with them at all, you know, to, teaming up with one of the greatest designers shoe designers of all time to release these iconic shoes that again like i said in the beginning of the podcast without jordan brand i don't see sneaker culture where it is today right right? because sneakers before were you know like tennis or you wore casually but now people were coveting them it became something to covet right people wanted sneakers people kids grew up wanting these jordans all the designers that influenced me jerry lorenzo virgil abloh you know kanye all these guys looked up to Jordan, especially all of them having roots to Chicago, but looked up to this Jordan as something that, you know, they wanted. Yeah. And yeah. it really laid the foundation for what sneaker culture is today and for what uh, the, what a global phenomenon, you know, sneakers are. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Sweet. So we just finished brand history on the Jordan brand by Nike. And next yep. up we have... Ooh, this is an exciting one. This, this is, is a exciting. really exciting Again, one. Again, one of our favorite segments one of the podcast is called Is It Justified? Where Nick and I are both going to take a position regardless. Objectively. Objectively. Regardless of what our personal belief is, we're going to argue for that side sort of in a debate uh, manner. And uh, we're going to let the audience decide what you agree with. We are not here to, inf- you know, we're not here to give you an opinion. We're simply here to inform you and let you look at both sides. Yeah. And so today, ooh, this is a big question. This is a since, very controversial since topic. Since we are on the topic of sneakers. Which is very personal to people too. This is this very, topic. this is, it's personal to me, but I'm going to be object, objective. I'm not going to let my right. personal right. views get into this. Um, I'm going to do the best I can, you know. I'd be lying <laughs> if I said I'm not going to let my personal views, but I'm going to do the best I can. And so since we are on the topic of sneakers and shoes, our question for today is, is it justified to wear fake shoes um and so you know this is with the intent you know they're fake not you got ripped off because if you got ripped off there's no way to know and you don't know you don't know this is is it justified to buy fake sneakers right Uh, and nick before we get off do you want to kind of 
clarify a fake sneaker versus a bootleg? Yeah, so I, I think there's a lot of confusion versus the, the word fake and bootleg. Uh, fake is intended to be an exact replica of the shoe. Right. Like someone created and redesigned the shoe, wanting it to look exactly like the original uh, an authenticated pair. Yes. So that that's what a fake would be. A bootleg, on the other hand, which is a really popular term right now, would almost be considered like uh, drawn inspiration from and more right. so like a, a fan art to where it's like the original brand never released the same mm-hmm. design. Um, but it's been like recreated with inspiration. So it, it's one, like a nod to yeah, the, them. Yeah, like, one is an exact copy when you're trying to recreate you're the trying same to rip item. People off, or you're trying to recreate the same re- item. Yeah, recreate the yeah. same item and sell it as So it that, is. that's a fake. A bootleg is you drew inspiration from the item and altered it a little bit, and mm-hmm. the brand never released that. Right. Like one of the very popular bootlegs right now is the Fugazi one in the chamber, Jordan yeah. ones. Um, and. You know, they, they put like a revolver as the Nike sign. Yeah. You know, it's obviously not trying to actually be a Jordan. It's drawing inspiration from it and it's kind of paying respect and it's putting its own twist. Yeah. Um, so that would be considered. So that would be a bootleg. Um, but yeah, fakes, like you said, opposite, uh, opposite, you know, they're purposely trying to rip you off. So. Right. I guess. I'll you want to start us off? Yeah, I can, I can start us off. So, so what, what side did you take? I am taking the side of it is not justified to buy fakes. So tell me, why is it not justified to buy fake sneakers? Okay. So as we've talked about, sneaker culture has become this huge phenomenon. It seems like everybody wants to get on it, like get in on it a little bit. But I think that if you're trying to get in on sneaker culture by buying fakes, you're not actually caring about the shoes. You're not actually wanting to be a part of the culture. You're simply wanting to be looked at as, wow, look what he has or look what she has. And just to start off with uh, a little statistic I found, there is a $450 billion market for fake sneakers. Mm. You know, I think the entire market is like $461 billion of all fakes and sneakers take up, you know, almost more than 90% of it. Yeah. And so this is a huge market. This is not just, oh, there's a fake here and there. It is a huge yeah. money-making Every market. Every now and then there'll be um, a news headlining, two million of you know, fake sneakers yes. caught, caught in, in an airport New York, there or was, something like that. There was like yeah. over 100 million of, you know, fake sneakers. It's crazy. And so... Um, so one of my first points is these really good fakes that are, you know, over $100, $150. You know, there's different tiers of fakes, but these really fake, uh, high tier fakes, when they're sold to someone like StockX and, and there's a, a buyer who's really willing to spend the money and they get ripped off by these fakes, I think it's not fair to that buyer because they have spent their hard-earned money. They've spent, you know, something they've probably saved for. They're spending it on this and they're getting something fake. And it's getting so hard to distinguish between the fakes and the actual shoes today that I think it's not fair when, you know, someone's spending their money. I know I, I get scared of this. I can't shop confidently online for shoes without having a second thought. I can't shop on Grailed or, or another platform with thinking, are these going to be fake? So this huge fake sneaker market creates a lot of extra work for the buyer to get the shoes that they want when they're trying to find real ones. Mm-hmm. Another thing is it's hard to tell the quality from pictures of fakes. If you go on somewhere like... AliExpress or somewhere like that where you know they're selling fakes, they might just have a picture of the real shoe and then if you were to buy it, let's say I was someone who wanted to buy a fake. If I bought it, it may look nothing like that and the quality may be terrible. So <laughs> there's a lot of deception in the fake market. Another thing is it oversaturates the market so much and it takes away the special aspect to sneaker collecting. I think sneaker collecting is something that is 
the people who are in it really care about it a lot. It's like the sports card collecting. It's like, I guess on a way bigger end car collecting, but the sneaker collecting is, is a huge culture that people really care about. And when all these fakes are there, it kind of oversaturates it and it takes away from that special you know, aspect. Like I said, if you're seeing a million people wear these fake Yeezys on the streets or these fake Jordans or whatever they are, you don't even know what's real. It kind of discourages people to buy the real ones in the first place. You know, these people that actually want to buy the real shoe, want to support the brand, want that piece of sneaker history, they're discouraged from buying it because they could just go find another pair for 50 bucks online, you know, that was made with very similar materials. So I think that although, yes, you may get a sneaker that looks like it, you're not getting, you're not getting it because you care about it. You're not getting it because you truly, you know, want to be a part of, uh, you know, the sneaker history, you, you're just getting it for other people to look at you and you're getting it for, to be like, Oh, look, I have this. And, um, another thing is in CNN business had an article on fakes and they said, uh, <laughs> it's an economic threat that undermines innovation and hampers economic growth. So that sounds, you know, super fancy, but it basically means this huge market, $450 billion. It's undermining these people who have spent, you know, these companies that have spent time designing them that have tried to put stories into the shoes and people like me who care about sneakers, this fake market is kind of ruining that in a sense. And it kind of dilutes the brand, rips off their you know, intellectual property. And another, my last point that I wanna make is, it is fostered by this impatient culture that we have. We want everything now, now, now. You know, If I were gonna buy fakes, I could have so many fakes for a fraction of the price, but when I get that real shoe, I wouldn't get that feeling. You know, I take L's, I lose all the time on the sneakers app. When sneaker releases are coming out, I'm always too slow, I never get it. But when I finally do win that shoe, there's this feeling of, wow, I've worked for this, I've saved money, I've sold, you know, I've sold things to, you know, get this shoe. It's really special. But with this impatient culture, with anybody just being able to buy the fake online, have it shipped, you know, in a couple days, and look, I have the shoe, I didn't have to wait for it, I didn't have to go through all the, you know, hoops to try to get the real one, I think, it just kind of highlights how impatient our culture is, how we want everything now, how we don't have any patience. And yeah, I just think it kind of decreases the the special aspect to sneaker collecting. And I know if I just bought fakes, I wouldn't care about sneakers as much. And I wouldn't, you know, I'd be getting them for other people to look at me. And mm -hmm. I just don't think that's justified. I don't think you should buy clothes or sneakers for people to look at and say, wow, look what he has. I think you should buy them because you actually care about them. So yeah. Those are some really good points. I'll, I'll make my points and I'll give you um, opportunity to respond. Yeah. So I think it's important to distinguish the difference between buying and reselling and mm. influencing the market with fake sneakers versus buying them and wearing them yourself. Okay. Because when you are buying them and then reselling them and kind of putting them out there on different um, reselling or trading websites, you're, you know, affecting other people and kind of intentionally misleading them from mm. getting what they want. Whereas when you're buying them to wear yourself, then, then, you know, you know what you're wearing. Like, yeah. you know, that it's fake. It's not like you're pretending that, you know, that it's real and selling it to someone else as if it is, you know, mm. that it's fake okay. and you're wearing okay. it. So I think that's an important dis distinguish distinguishment to make is that wearing fake sneakers is different than sell, trying okay. to sell them and kind of pull a fast one on other right. people, scam other people for fake sneakers. But wearing them yourself, I would say, is very different. Uh, and one of, one of the things that you know I think is maybe just like a side thing and not as important, but kind of like to address the word fake, I think it's very buzzword, mm. you know, and kind of like 
can manipulate people's arguments in a little bit. Okay. So in my argument, I'm actually going to use the word replica. Okay. So it's the same. This is where we're going. Same we're idea. going replica. Do you see this? Same okay. Idea. But but again, like again, fakes is fakes is a buzzword. I got so, it. I got replica. it. So one of the biggest reasons is that resale <laughs> prices are absolutely ridiculous right, right now. You know, and so often unattainable for so many average consumers. Hmm. Uh, if you're an in-depth like deep collector, that's one thing buying shoes. But if you're the average consumer, like there's no way you're, you'll spend seven, eight hundred dollars, right. you know, thousand plus dollars on a pair of shoes for the resale prices. Even even some shoes for retail prices, the Balenciaga Triple S's, those are seven hundred plus retail. Right. right. Whereas you can get them replicas for one hundred twenty dollars. Yeah. You know, <laughs> so. It, if someone genuinely appreciates the aesthetic and the art of the shoe, but is not reasonable in their means to attain it, I think it is justified to buy replicas mm. because it's at the end of the day, like sneakers are made to be functional more than anything else. Some may, may argue that it's, you know, social status, you know, so on and so forth. But if you genuinely appreciate the art and the, the sneaker design and aesthetic itself, then you'll buy it for that versus then again, buy it for that versus the need to impress other people. Okay. Um, because you like it, you like it yourself. You like the way the colors are put together. You like the design, even if the quality is a little lower, mm. it's worth it comparing the $800 amount of money that you're saving. Yeah. Um, so it, the biggest thing is it's not naturally within the means for the average consumer to uh, spend, you know, hundreds of dollars on a pair of shoes when they could get it for 150 or less. Um, and another reason too is that, you know, the brand owners don't necessarily need the money anyways. Whereas you are helping individual people um, and individual sellers who often are honestly from like impoverished communities um when you're buying replicas mm. um and one of the things too that i think you mentioned earlier too the replica the quality of replicas have gotten so good that you can't even really tell the difference between right. you know f fake or real um that you can just get them and wear them because that's that's what you that's like why, that's you why it makes it hard for notice. the people who want them that's what i'm saying right but that that's the thing you buying fakes has no influence on the people that are buying reels. Yeah. Right? I guess. Well, I, I think it has the influence of when I'm looking for a shoe or when I want a shoe, I have to jump through so many hoops to make sure it's real. I'm posting it. If I want to buy it from an individual person, there's no authentication. Even though those authenticated places like StockX or Goat that authenticate the shoes, they still get it wrong sometimes. And if I want to buy them off someone off a of Facebook marketplace, for example, and I see a shoe that I like, what I have to do is I have to take the picture, I have to zoom in on the details, look up real versus fake comparison, make sure they're real, post it in a group, a fashion group, a sneaker group, and say, can I get these legit checked? That's what they call it, is when you're you know trying to get uh, the shoe authenticated. I have to jump through all these hoops just to make sure that the shoe is real. And I feel like for the people who are, are the collectors, this huge oversaturated market makes it so difficult for me to find, you know, a real shoe that I want. And so I, I just don't think. So your mm. argument is that me wearing fakes 
makes it harder for you to get reels. That's not my whole argument. Justified no, because also if you're fakes. if you actually care about wearing the fakes, um, or you care, you're doing it because you, you made the argument that some people may buy them because they just truly care about the aesthetic. And I I think if you truly like the aesthetic or you truly like the shoe, what you do is you sell other things to get it. You sell other clothes that you have. Or I know not everybody can do this, but at the same time, I would say forego the shoe. And I know that's easy to say from someone who has bought shoes before, but I think if you really care about it, you would forego buying it than buying a fake because you actually like the shoe. So I think it may not directly influence me, but it influences the market obviously because there's a $450 billion market. It's not just for, you know, and that's not, it costs them $450 billion. That's how much they're making off of it. So. I also think a couple things too that may that it, well this whole concept kind of branches off into so many other things because would you consider customs fake? I would consider them bootlegs. Like so, if I bought a pair of all white Jordan ones and I painted them the Chicago colorway, would you um, consider those a fake? I wouldn't consider that a fake personally because I think you put the time. As Virgil Abloh says, he likes when you. Customize it yourself. I'm all for customizing because you bought a real Jordan. Well, what's 1. the difference? You, between, no, what's the difference between you taking the time to do it versus someone else doing it, and you, then I'm paying them. You bought a for real. That. You bought a real Jordan one, and you said, "I want to customize this. I want to make it look like that." I think that one, you're still paying. It, it's not like you're doing it for your own design. You're copying an exact colorway of a, a of a different. Okay, but nobody one. thinks that's the actual one. You can tell when you look at it. So if you can tell, so what, what about this? Is it, is it different to me wearing fake shoes and also openly admitting that they are fake? Is it different if you is, do that? Yes. Um, Versus like I'm wearing – I think it's better but I still don't think it's – I still don't think it's as, as – You care about as just – yeah, that's – yeah, as justified as if you were to buy the actual shoe. I, th- I do think it's better though. I don't know. I, you're making it like black and white, like one – I choose one or the other. But I think it's it's better. But I don't think it's – I still don't – I don't think it's justified because, again, you're doing it. You, you're not getting – you don't actually care about it and it kind of just dilutes the culture. And I know it sounds snobby to say that but I think if you really, you know, care about these shoes, I don't see a lot of people who are just like, you know – are wanting them just because they like the shape if they really did actually like the shape i think a lot of them have saved up or would want to save up or do that and and these fakes are making it so easy like why would you want to save anymore i can find one that's almost the same exact quality online for 50 bucks it just takes away from that special aspect it's it's like i don't know it just kind of makes it lame i guess the question becomes is that special aspect worth a thousand dollars no and it, i i think that's what i'm saying is it even if you can't afford it at that price I think it should be so special to where you'd be like, I won't buy it. You can buy another shoe. If you're spending, if you're buying an actually good fake, an actually good fake, they're going to be around 150 or more, right? You can buy so many cool shoes for $150 or you could save that money that you would have spent on that. Try and get it on a real release because you eventually will win. Yes, you take L's, but you're eventually going to find a shoe that you like that you can win on on a release. So I think it's just not justified, but think we'll have to let yeah, people decide. I guess it's for you to decide. Again, I think the main argument goes back to is the 800 to $1,000 plus worth it for that aspect of this is special and this is unique intellectual property and art that someone created versus 
it's just functional footwear that I like the aesthetic. Right. But it's just ripping off the brands. But anyway, that is <laughs> You can decide. That you is can decide. Is it justified? Now on to one of the fun segments. Yeah. We're almost done. So we have you know we have a couple of little mini segments to end it off. I know those two are very heavy. Those two are very heavy condensed. Very These heavy. are very light. The first one fun. is very informational. The second one is very controversial. And these are just, we want to end it with something fun. Both very personal with people too. Yeah, we just so, want to end it something light, a little lighthearted. So let's jump into, Nick, what are we jumping yep, into? Yeah, you know the next segment, Wear, Tear, or mm. Share, where we go over a few different outfits that we found online and break down whether we would wear it, meaning that we like it and we would personally wear it, fits our style. Mm-hmm. Tear it, meaning that we don't like it, that we wouldn't wear it at all. Or share it, meaning that we like the look of it, but it doesn't fit our personal aesthetic. So you know, we'll appreciate it on someone else. Yeah. So we thought it would be most fitting for us in this segment, in this episode, to go over Jordan-related fits. Yep. Meaning that any outfit that we have is somewhat related to Jordan, whether it's a pair of uh, Jordans that the person is wearing, whether it's Michael Jordan, whether Man it's... Man himself. Um, something of yep. that sort. Yeah. Just related to Michael Jordan. So do you want to show your outfits yes. first? I'll show mine. So Nick, you give your opinion. Yes. Then I will give mine. So the first one we have up is of the man himself. The man. And this is it. That's a fit. That's definitely. Describe it. So yeah, let me describe it. He's wearing a black hat. Uh, I want to, is that like, I can't tell what brand that is. It's Oakley. Oakley, yeah, with the big O. I'm guessing he's wearing wearing Oakley's as well. Uh, He's wearing a Nike tracksuit with some Nikes. I'm not sure which. Those those Nikes are fire. But for me, I'd definitely say that's a wear. That's a fit. I don't know why. For the before a couple months ago, I really like hated tracksuits and Mm. the idea of like matching like the top and bottom. But recently, I I mean this one isn't so matchy. It's not matching, but it's it's all the same material. material and like same outfit that you know was meant to go together you yeah. know what i think it was the night me? after the casino you know what it was that i think made me like track suits and what? um sweatsuits watching the sopranos because mm. everyone on like there velour has track yeah. suits yes <laughs> yeah yes no they're yeah so, so what, for what me definitely wear definitely wear. that's for me yeah so he's these nikes are kind of cool and i like the pants and i like it all but I don't think I could pull it off, but I really do like it. So I'm going to have to use a share because sure. I think Nick, for example, could really pull this off. I'd wear that to the store. Yeah. Or, this man got after, know. you know, he took it personal the night before at the casino. Didn't want to show his eyes. So <laughs> he uh, wore this. No, but this, yeah, it's definitely cool. I just don't think I could pull it off. Ready for the next one? Yep. Okay. I didn't go with any joke fits this week. So, but here you go. Oh, we got Kelly Oubre. Kelly Oubre Jr. A lot of people really love his style. Um, you can find a lot more pictures of him and different NBA players on League Fits. Shout League out to them Fits. Shout on them Instagram. Out. So, uh, starting top down, he got some AirPods, which is a flex in and of itself. That's a flex. A whole bunch of chains, a rude T-shirt. Mm. Um, Why you gotta be so one rude? of their black T-shirts. Uh, some checkered pants and the, the side stripes with the side stripes they're cropped they are cropped. and the rookie of the year jordan ones so i am back and forth on kelly uber jr the thing about him is that his style is so 
fits him very it fits him it's a very specific personality right. you know which is not matching my personality it's okay. very very like okay. loud like i wouldn't wear checkered pants you know walking through the store or something like that it looks like there's rhinestones on his t-shirt too um, hey or diamonds. i like hey, he's wearing plaid and stripes he's pulling it bro he has the side stripes but, so, what's it, but I, I can't influence. I don't know. For me, I guess I would say probably share. I mean, share. like I, I yeah. think, I think it's cool. But I would, I think it's cool on him, and it fits him, and it fits a very specific personality. So I honestly wouldn't even share this with many people. Right. I'd share it with a specific, specific type. And leading into that, I think he would specifically share it with me because to me, <laughs> this outfit is just fire. I really like the crop pants. Honestly, you know who could pull this off really well? Elijah. Elijah, yeah. Elijah, shout out Elijah. That man, he looks like a banana. He, he uh, always wears, you know, like kind of cropped pants with Jordans. And so I feel like I'd share this with Elijah. But no, I would wear this because I really like the pants. The shirt's cool. It looks like it has rhinestones on it. The chains add to it. And, you know, even the watch and the rookie of the years. I like the rookie of the years. I want a pair. So I would definitely wear this fit. But make sure to check out the Instagram so you can decide. Check it out. At Burton Denim. At Burton Denim. So you ready for my outfits? I'm ready. So the first I'm one excited. is of the man himself. The man himself. Is it the jeans He's one? actually I, not. <laughs> I almost. Guys, I almost chose the same one. He's actually not wearing Jordans. Jordans. No. But I almost chose this one. And I'm glad I didn't because yep. I knew Nick would. This is a denim on denim Canadian tuxedo. So he has the denim button-up shirt, the jeans, and then it looks like some brown, some sort of like loafer mo- moccasin kind of mix thing. Jerry Lorenzo would wear him. Uh, <laughs> throwing out the first pitch. Very Visma. Throwing out Visma. the pitch. But yeah, Visvim. Visma. Uh, throwing out the first pitch. For me, I'm going to go. With wear because I want <laughs> to pull off an outfit like this. You can hate, you, you check it out, energy. people. This is sick. I need this energy. I'd obviously need one that's a little more fitting to me, but honestly, I like the shoes. I'm not mad at them. I'm really not. I feel like they're nice little dressy shoes, which is weird for him to be wearing out there. But that and Don't then the first I, I like the cowboy vibe, bro, with the gold watch. We didn't even say that. No, I didn't. Even so say the gold watch. I'm gonna go with a wear. I'd wear just for the gold watch. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely a Canadian tuxedo. You know where the you know where the like the name Canadian tuxedo comes from? No, can you enlighten me? Yeah. Do you really not know? No, I actually don't. Yeah. I really don't. Actually. So Bing Crosby, have you heard of him? Yep. He was in Canada on a tour for something and he went to stay at a hotel and he was wearing um Levi's. Mm. And they actually wouldn't let him check in because at that specific hotel, you needed to wear a tuxedo. So what he ended up doing, or what Levi's ended up That's doing, was making him a full tuxedo out of denim. So he ended up wearing that back, you know, and then hence the name. That is Canadian tuxedo. Probably, guys, when you listen to this podcast, you learn so much. I learned that. I didn't even know that. Yeah, but inter- not in the notes. Interesting story. The, I thought not a, lot, not a lot of people know that. Yeah, but back to the outfit. Come on, I just be real. Just we would definitely. Hair. Yep. I, I don't want to see anyone else in this outfit either. I'm wearing Not it. just me. He doesn't want to see else. me, obviously, then, because I'm wearing that. No, just look. I may wear ah. it next episode, so be looking. For it. <laughs> Explain that fit. Uh, Michael Jordan, you got some explaining to do. Um, but yeah, that's tear for me. So that's that's the first outfit. All it's, right. You ready for the next I'm one? I'm ready. Again, the next one is of the man himself. Okay. I'm excited. Here it is. Oh, I've seen this. So this is when he's entering Barcelona for the Dream Team at the Olympics. And this is 
yeah, the dream team. So uh, I remember seeing this in the last dance and before, but um, this is interesting. So he's wearing, reminds me of Biggie Smalls almost kind of like a the coochie, but it's not. I don't think it is. And so it's this very bright, scribbly tee and shorts that match. You know what it kind of looks like? Hmm. You know when you go to the dentist and they have those no, cups? You know what it looks <laughs> like? This outfit, check it out. If you've ever been to King Skate or any roller rink <laughs> the with, the floor. Felt, with the with these floor that they put that you skate over. <laughs> yep, this is what this looks like. Um, so check it out on the Instagram. Um, <laughs> That's and true. he has the hat too, some white Nike trainers, some white socks and a gold chain. Mm, I like the hat. I like the chain, but I don't really at all in any sense like the shirt and shorts together, <laughs> so I'm going to have to tear it. Um, yeah, I'm going to have to tear it. It's uh, it's cool for him, but I don't even think I could share this with anyone because I don't know anyone that could pull it off. Um, just does not look good in any sense of the word, and it looks like he is going to be <laughs> skated. looks like he's going to be skated on by some kids at a birthday party. <laughs> so, Yeah, I'm also going to have to go with tear. Um, I mean, I think it's cool in theory, but there's no way that you can wear this without you looking like it's a costume. Right. You, you look know? like, you almost like, look like this is not a casual or even dressed up. He looks like outfit like, at all. It's like a banana. I think it's cool. I, maybe it's the time period to where it was big, but I mean, it's cool for, I mean, it's cool for him. Know. Cool for him. All I know is that male is not going to wear the Nike logo <laughs> when they well, got their gold the gold medals. Olympics. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'd definitely go tear for that one. Yeah, again, check out there if you, you uh, if check we didn't do a good enough job describing it, which we probably didn't. Uh, go on Instagram <laughs> at Burnt Denim to see the different outfits that we chose and comment below what you guys think of them. Please we comment. Know we your really want to make it an interactive community. And speaking of, last little segment we have is asking for a friend. I think yep. we're just going to do one question today. Sure. Because, yep. you know, we're approaching that limit. But um, our question today, and again, we are going to post uh, next week sometime, be looking, or actually this week sometime. Yeah. Be looking um, for, we, we want questions that you guys want answered. So one of the first questions we thought was appropriate, especially because of this episode, is I'm going to ask Nick first, then he'll ask me, what are your thoughts, asking for a friend, what are your thoughts on Jordan 1 mids? Jordan One mids. If you don't, if you sorry, if you don't know what a mid is, they do low, mid, and high for the Jordan. Different cuts, right. different cuts, and the, the high is you know the original. Yeah. The low. I mean, as I said, they're, they're just different cuts. So. Yeah, and there's different ways you can tell. You can, for the most part, you can tell just by looking. But there's other you can things. Tell by the colorway. Where, a lot um, of times. The colorway, a lot of the times. Also, the um, the high Jordan One high has nine holes where you and put the laces through. That's eight, eight for the mid. Right. Um, but for me, I just think they're kind of like awkward in between yeah. where they sit. They are. Um, on the on the leg. Yeah, <laughs> on the ankle. <laughs> on the ankle, yeah. It's kind of, it's just like an awkward cut for me. Yeah. You know, it's kind of no, like I, in between. Yeah. It's like wearing those like uh, – what are, what are those socks when it's just a little bit of showing? Mm. I know what you're talking about. I don't are know the crew name. Or no, crew is high. Cruise high and it's mid not cut. no show. Oh, yeah, mid cut. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> well, what are the odds? But if you're gonna wear mids, you better wear them with mid cut socks. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I, I will say I did. I have seen cool collabs um, of mids that I think are good. Right. Like the, um, I'm gonna say there's a fearless. Yeah, mid. there is. Is that um, the one with the watch? Yeah. Yeah. I mean that one's cool. I wouldn't wear it, but I think it's I think it's interesting. Um, and also the face tasm one. Have you seen that? It's like blue. It's like a 
tealish blue with like red accents. That I think I have cool. seen it. I like that it's one been, too. I don't, the only way I I'd know. say I would wear it is if you wear pants that kind of cover it. So then you're basically wearing fakes. I'm just kidding. Yeah, but I'm I just mean, <laughs> yeah. you're giving off the illusion that it's a high, right. but it's not. I don't know. I, I personally wouldn't wear them if you aren't super into sneaker culture and you, you know, they're yeah. they're attainable. There's no, there's and you no get them, judgment. Then you get it. I, I won't My say most anything. People, to I mean, you. I won't judgment. say anything to you. I'll just um hidden hiddenly know. I know. No, I'm just kidding. I know your dark secret. <laughs> yeah, for me, I also don't like the cut. I don't like how they fit. I don't like a lot of the colorways. That was a lot of negativity. I'm sorry, people. This is supposed to be like. I don't like. Just in general, I don't like them as much as the highs. Um, there's even lows. I don't like that much. There's a, there's a few cool ones like the UNC ones or, you know, like the shatter backwards are kind of cool. But in general, I I like OGs. You know, I yeah. don't like Jordan 11 lows. I don't. I only like the highs. So I I kind of am purist in that i like i like the you know the, the original shape how it was originally designed the mids seemed like they wanted to offer this kind of in-between version and i didn't like it and um i don't know you know one of my friends asked me one of our friends asked me uh the other week should i get these and i was like no man i don't think you should get them you know the mids just wait for some highs gently and he was down. like he was like like an well, old I'm a skinny guy you know they won't the highs fit bad on my leg no i'm a skinny guy and i think you just have to have the confidence to rock them but they don't make your Jordan one high surprisingly look yeah. good on all, you know, shapes and sizes. I, I think too it also goes with how you lace them. But one mm. of the things that I've noticed for me that I shout out lace God. I think it Spencer makes or you know ruins the shoe is the tongue, and I feel like yeah, mids tongue, have a really yeah. high like awkward tongue. I think too. they have a thin tongue too. Yeah, where the one is puffy. And I bit. think the um the lows too have a really long tongue. That's yeah. that's the one thing that I wouldn't like about them, but. Yeah, I mean it's kind of a up to you. I Spending, wouldn't but that's wear asking them. for a friend. I'd There's say. certain ones, yeah. Your friends said, should I get mids? I would say, you know, maybe hold out for the highs. You might be surprised at what you can you find, find cheap highs. You really can't. You can find. Got to be looking. You know, in general though, we didn't hit on that so much, but the resale has gone crazy, especially with right. the last dance coming out. So you know, Nike's kind of over-releasing ones right now too. They yeah. kind of need to hold up, but so you can always buy fakes. But yeah. Oh my gosh. Anyway, that was asking for a friend. And that was episode two slash episode 23. Come on. Of Burnt Denim, the history of Air Jordan. Yes. Thank you again so much for coming to Burnt Denim, the podcast where we spread knowledge, instill passion, and generate conversation. Once again, I'm your co-host, Nick. I'm Max. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Burnt Denim. We're working on getting the YouTube up for you. Don't want to make any promises yet, but we are working on it. And... We, we love you guys. We love you. Like, subscribe. That really goes a long way. It does. Repost um, on your story if you comment. can. Comment. Yeah. Love you guys. Peace.